0: Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your postseason home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're an official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites, and you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. You can also find us at Bleed Cubby Blue, and we blast every episode and related content from our Twitter, at Cup of Cubby Blue. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs that bleed Cubby Blue, and I am so excited because I already have our new manager's jersey.
1: Oh, you're so lucky. Hi, guys. I'm Andy Cruz in a second. I blog for Cubs Den.
0: Ah, uh, Andy, David Ross. Okay, so the new manager is David Ross. <laughs> breaking <laughs> news. Breaking, we, we talked that last time, right?
1: <laughs> yes, yes.
0: That was the last episode, but... And important news, David Ross is going to continue to wear his number three. So I'm sorry, Daniel Descalso, you're going to have to come up with a new number or go somewhere else. And maybe, maybe both of those things, I don't know, but you don't get number three for the Chicago Cubs anymore because David Ross has taken his old number back and I love it.
1: Okay. Well, I have to say, besides I have, not joking, Three pages of notes after the press conference today. Um, <laughs> when they flipped that jersey around and it was number three, I did a definite stand up silent cheer because I was like, this could mean several things. <laughs> but most of all, it means that David Ross is the 55th manager of the Chicago Cubs and he will be managing come opening day at Wrigley Field for the 2020 Chicago Cubs. And those words are so exciting to me.
0: Yeah. I thought this was a really interesting press conference. We're going to cover all of it right now in case you didn't get a chance to see it, but definitely check it out. If you have some extra time, it's only about 20 minutes long. Um, The thing that jumped out at me most about this press conference is that it was all business. So I don't know if y'all remember when Joe Madden came and had his first press conference. It didn't really have that feel. He did this whole shot in a beer thing, the Hazleton way. And and, and it was very Joe. And you could tell that we were going to be in the Joe era. And this was not that. Uh, there was not a lot of joking around. I mean, everybody was happy, obviously. Ross clearly thrilled to be back in a Cubs uniform. But it felt very like get down to business to me. What about you,
1: Andy? Um, Definitely. It was almost a little awkward at the beginning because I felt like he was trying to like lighten the mood a little bit and like break the ice and like get people to chuckle with him. And that was not happening. Like, I don't know if it was just like a really tough room or if they were just kind of following the vibe of Theo. I felt like Theo kind of came in there with a strictly business mentality, but like you could hear when David Ross is putting on his jersey, he's like, it's been a while, you know, oh, this is awesome. And nobody reacted. Like you didn't even hear anybody chuckle or anybody kind of giggle or anything. And I, I remember like it was yesterday when Joe Madden was up there doing the same thing. It was constant, you know, like everything out of his mouth, everybody was kind of reacting in some way or another. And so it, it felt a little awkward. I mean, it felt a little like, you know, like somebody laugh, you know, all he's trying to do (laughs) is get you guys to loosen up a little bit and it just wasn't happening. But um, I liked it though. I liked it because I think that um, you definitely, you have to approach things with that mentality this year, especially with this new manager, who's, you know, very green and um, really has to kind of set the standard on how he expects to be treated. And he did that. I mean, he totally did that. He nailed it. I, I really, you know, it could all be lip service. I could be a complete fool here, but I I felt really good walking away from this and, and felt like he definitely, there were some buzzwords that he kept repeating over and over and over again. If you didn't have those stick out in your mind, then you weren't paying attention.
0: What were some of those buzzwords for you?
1: um like winning he said winning, <laughs> winning I was said say, a lot <laughs> winning he probably said in some version um winner winning winning culture winning you know whatever he probably said i would say close to 100 times um in 20 minutes that's a lot <laughs> <laughs> um it, it, he said proactive um accountability uh what was the other one i had uh let's see accountable was a big one I said that over and over again um experience he said quite a bit um you you could tell that he refrained from using lack of I think he said lack of experience one time and every time after that when he used experience it was what experience he had rather than really shedding you know reminding you the light the Reminding you the experience he didn't have. He was, he was talking about the experience he did have, which I thought was a very good way to approach that because, you know, like we, we forget a lot of the experience that he did have. So it was nice of him to remind us of that. Um, But those were the big ones I had. Accountable, winning, and experience were the, were the three that really jumped out to me.
0: Yeah, I love that. I also, the thing that probably jumped out to me more than anything was how strong Theo's answer was about the idea that David Ross was not going to be a puppet, (laughs) that he, um, that one of his favorite characteristics about Ross, and we talked about this last week from the intro to his book, Teammate, but that one of his favorite characteristics of Ross is how much he will push back and own a room and tell people, I don't think that's right. I'm going to do it this way. And here's why. Um, And, and it was very clear to me, at least that Theo respects that, that that's one of the reasons they get along so well. Um, And so I think whoever, I I know the narrative was out there that, you know, Ross is there to do the front office's bidding and to just sort of be a front person for the front office. And I just, I don't think that's true.
1: Yeah, I mean, you definitely you could tell that that was in the back of their minds, that that was definitely something that they had read or heard. And how could you not? Because everyone in some way, shape or form was was referring to that. I myself even said that that was my major concern was I didn't want him to be the yes man. And they even referred to that a couple of times in the the press conference as well, that he was not going to be a yes man. Um, I believe the direct quote that Theo had was, if you want a puppet, do not hire David Ross.
0: That is the Um, quote, yeah.
1: Yeah. So to me that was like, you know, I really like that they're confronting these things that obviously that, you know, major concerns that some of or most of Cubs fans have that, you know, I've read across across Twitter and heard on the radio, you know, callers calling into the radio stations in Chicago that his lack of experience and that he's gonna be the yes man. So I really love that they took those topics and really addressed them head on and made sure that they're everyone knew that they're aware of that people feel that way
0: yeah I thought that was great too um, the other thing that I thought was really interesting in this press conference and one of our um, commenters at BCB mentioned this on Al's article is this idea that like Ross is not a look backward to 2016 that this isn't a attempt to ca- recapture magic and go backwards everybody talked a lot about moving ahead and about how fast the game moves and staying on top of it and I thought that was really interesting too
1: Um, yeah, the other thing that I really loved too, about, um, some of the things that he was emphasizing, which I think people will, um, going forward kind of reference back to, but he definitely hinted at some of, um, the folks that he'll be working with. I think as far as other coaches in, in the dugout, um, he did say he reached out to a few of them, but his big thing was that he said, you know, coaches, scouts, minor leagues, drafting all of the people, uh, that work on those items are just as important as everybody else. And they deserve some of the love too. And um, he definitely gave them shout outs. And I think that is kind of a hint to us that with him being a first time manager, he is really going to use his resources and he's going to look upon all those different areas to really help him navigate through this whole experience and him showing them love and, and, and saying that in his, you know, introductory press conference, I think is is kind of him saying, guys, you know, as long as I'm successful, you're successful and vice versa, and let's help each other out. And let's really, you know, let's, let's really, you know, get together and make this work type thing. And I think that says a huge amount about him and and how he's approaching this whole thing, which kind of, you know, made me a little bit more excited about that whole thing, because you don't really hear too many you know new managers or even ma- managers being announced for a new team talking like that bringing those people up in their introductory press conference so for him to do that i think that's his way of really you know trying to get these guys to band together and 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 help him succeed
0: yeah i think you're totally right about that the other thing that you just reminded me of that i thought was really interesting was sort of this question of what the coaching staff will look like um, and I forget what the exact quote was. You probably have it there with your notes. But they were talking about um, wanting a more experienced bench coach uh, for him as a first-time manager. And I, I, you can read that one of two ways. I mean, technically, Mark Loretta as a one-year bench coach is a more experienced bench coach than David Ross. But I'm not really sure that's what they were referring to. I, what do you think about Loretta's future with the Cubs next year? Because I sort of thought that they opened the door there to the idea that they could bring in somebody else, at least in that position.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there. I My total thought on, my initial thought on that comment, and I can't remember exactly how it was said either, but basically I felt like they were saying that he wanted somebody that um, did have that experience under their belt for to be his next in charge and that's the way i took it and kind of additional additional to that i took it as it would not be mark loretta like i was thinking that they would probably bring somebody in that um would work well with with david ross but at the same time have some more of that experience that he is lacking and i don't think that one year is probably what they were <laughs> referring to right. but you never know i mean you honestly never know and um You know, he said when the question was asked, he said, I was surprised that he even answered it because most of the time you hear them kind of, you know, deter from answering questions like that, especially in their initial, you know, press conference, because it's such a a new thing. They, they, I'm sure he has an idea of what direction he wants to go, but I'm sure it hasn't been decided yet. So for him to even, you know, navigate through that question, I was pretty impressed with that. And you could tell that, you know, he was like, well, I've reached out. And um, you know, this is a conversation that I'll have with them going forward, and and we'll you know we'll figure it out from there. But I kind of got the idea that there would be some new um, new coaches coming in.
0: Yeah, I thought so too, and I'm really curious to see who sticks around. I I hope, and you know, I've talked about this before. I think that some of the coaching staff needs some continuity. One of the problems I think this team has had is that they have not had the same any like of the same hitting or pitching coaches for like three years in a row they've just like completely turned that over multiple times so I'm hoping that some of those uh names and faces stay the same but it'll be really interesting I think that now that we know who the manager is going to be the next thing here for Cubs fans is watching the rest of the coaching staff and just seeing who who else is coming back and what's that going to look like
1: one other thing I wanted to bring up that I thought was very interesting, and he mentioned quite a few managers that he played under that had such a great influence in his life and that would be a great influence in his managerial style. And one thing that you cannot ignore is that he said there would be a heavy mix of Joe's managerial style in his own managerial style, that you would see a lot of the same tactics and Um, ideas and systems that Joe used. And I was kind of thinking like half jokingly in my head, oh my gosh, Theo is sweating right now. (laughs) Like like there's a reason why they got rid of Joe Madden. And now basically, you know, you know, baby Joe just got announced to the team now. Baby so it's like it's, it's kind of funny to me when he said that there would be a very heavy mix of Joe's managerial style in with his own style, but he, he did add in, he definitely wanted to put his own stamp on things. But the fact that he said, you know, he he talked about people like Bobby Cox and I'm drawing a complete blank on the other two that he said, Bobby Valentine and somebody else. Um, I can't remember, but and Joe Madden was the last. And then I think Joe Madden was said last on purpose because he said you're going to see a very heavy mix of his style and with David Ross's managerial style. So, I just found that very interesting that he would um go that route and I'm sure that Joe appreciates that and that is definitely him showing mad respect to him, but at the same time, you know, the front office was probably smacking their heads going, "Oh, crap, what did we do? <laughs> like we, we got rid of Joe Madden just to get Baby Joe in here." So, um yeah, we'll see how that how that goes. But I'll be very interested to see how he mixes that style with his own.
0: Yeah, that'll be interesting to me. I I don't I mean, I imagine that David Ross said something like that during one of the many interviews that he had. Um, I think that if you could take the best parts of Joe Madden and mix it up a little bit with a bit more of a stringent accountability regime and like more um, consistent practice and you know being able to like come to the game ready to play I think that that is probably what they were hoping for but we'll see it's going to be interesting for sure because I I mean he he has played under a lot of incredibly great managers I think I was reading a list and he had played under Bochi, he would played under Cox he played under like all of these Madden he played under all these great managers I think that that probably gives him an idea of what he liked about each of those different clubhouses as a player. And it'll be fascinating to see how he tries to recreate the best parts of all of those people who are definitely hall of fame managers.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just, I was overall thoroughly impressed with today. Um, I really hope that um it's something that definitely carries into a great spring training. I hope there's some great, that was another thing that he wouldn't touch the makeup of the team, which I thought was very smart. Um, you know, he even, even went so far as to compliment his bosses and said, you know, they're very good at their job. So we'll let them do their job and I'll manage what they give me. So um, I thought that was a very smart angle to take. He also, one other thing, sorry, I I have so many notes. <laughs> No, you're good. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I can um, literally hear you flipping
0: pages. It's great. I know.
1: I know. I'm so sorry. I, I was just so excited about this, and I learned so much from these, and it really gets me motivated for the season and kind of carries me through. And everybody knows that this was not the direction I was wanting them to go, but now that I now that we know this is where they're going, I'm totally on board with it. So I'm all in on this. Um, what was the other thing I was getting ready to say? So somebody asked him what the, what plagued this team in 2019 and his, his response was something along the lines of, they need to go back to their winning ways, their winning team vibes. And um, he definitely made a comment about more of a routine on the road. So. Right there, you can just kind of see that he's there's a number of things that are going to be addressed right off the bat that we kind of heard murmurs on, you know, that the front office wanted Joe to to tackle more of. So I really I like that. That makes me excited that, you know, we're going to see a little bit more accountability and some structure there, too. And, you know, not the nice grandpa um, that he he kind of made mention of, you know, I'm not the nice grandpa that everyone thinks I am when it comes to to these guys and I don't shy away from the tough conversation. So all of these things sound really great. And um, like I said, I really hope it's not lip service. I hope it's something that we actually see come to fruition. And this is, you know, a manager that can really do something with this core because, you know, we really need that to happen. And, and I think if the front office can put the, the um, the hope and possibility in this guy, then we definitely have to give him a chance.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with all of that. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Um, And the other piece of news that broke today, which if you want to see your first shot to actually hang out with the new Cubs manager a little bit and see him in action is probably going to be at this year's Cubs convention, which is January 17th to 19th, uh, 2020. And it was announced today that those Cubs convention passes will be on sale to the general public on November 1st at noon central time. Um, I, if you've ever been to Cubs convention, it's it's pretty fun. It's kind of crazy. I was telling Andy before we started recording that Cubs convention is the only place where I feel like a just normal Cubs fan. I am by no means <laughs> the most fanatical of the fans at Cubs convention. Uh, there's all sorts of great costumes. There's people who have been to like every Cubs convention ever. There are people who know Cubs trivia that, I, I can't even, like, it's insane. Um, but those passes go on sale on Friday. The information is up on Bleed Cubby Blue. I'll had a write-up of it earlier today if you're interested in traveling out for that. And it looks like our um, YouTube friends, uh, Michael uh, Bowling and some other people that we met at Social Media Night, have a special package this year where you can... Go watch them record some of the shows uh, that they use on Cubs YouTube, like Bay versus Ballplayer and some other stuff. So that'll be sort of fun. And you should definitely check that out if you like the Cubs YouTube channel. Michael's great. And they do great work over there. And I'm trying to convince Andy to come.
1: I don't know that I need that much convincing. It's just logistically I have to make it work. And I'm definitely going to work on that in the next couple days because I would like to go. So hopefully Sarah and I will be there together.
0: It's usually cold. Make sure you bring a jacket, but frankly, everything is inside in the hotel, so it's fine.
1: <laughs> Listen, I I will spend probably two weeks before that day packing, but <laughs> I, if you know me, that's totally normal. I am just, yeah, I, I really, this is the first year that it's worked out that it's not the same weekend as my all-company meeting, so if I can make it happen, I will definitely be there.
0: Awesome. Okay, so... Help me get Andy to Cubs convention, people. And if uh, I do get Andy there, make sure you come and say hi to both of us while we're hanging out at CubsCon in January in the freezing cold Chicago Tundra. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, that's the bulk of Cubs news at the moment. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. And then on the flip side, we're going to talk about the World Series. And there's a ton of stuff going on in these games. I just (laughs) – I really cannot – But uh, first, a quick break. All right, we're back. The World Series is through Game 5. The Astros have a 3-2 to lead over the Nationals. I swear to God, is the the home team ever going to win a game?
1: (laughs) Okay, in full disclosure, I have to be quite honest. And I told Sarah this earlier today, and she probably was laughing at me because – I have become kind of obsessed with every sport, but baseball right now. So I have not watched a ton of world series games. Now I have a, I have, when I turned the channel to the game last night, I happened to catch a strikeout. That was not a strikeout. Uh. (laughs) And that is where I decided I am done with baseball for 2019. So I just want to, in full disclosure, say, if I don't sound like I know what I'm talking about when Sarah asked me questions regarding the World Series, it's probably because I was, A, streaming the Bulls game, B, watching football and probably any football, or C, watching college volleyball. So I apologize (laughs) that your baseball friend is not being a good baseball friend.
0: Well, that's okay. I can fill you in Um, because I have been watching the World Series. Friend of the show, Ken Schultz, and I went and hung out for game three. And then I did like kind of a, oh my God, Saturday was such a terrible sports day for me. I had like the baseball game on my computer at first with no sound and the Notre Dame-Michigan football game on my TV with sound. And that was the worst game I've ever seen Notre Dame play. So I flipped that at halftime and put the baseball game on the TV And the football game with no sound on my computer and then the baseball game went south and I was just like I (laughs) play civilization.
1: I give up. I Uh,
0: Saturday Saturday I gave up. I gave up right about the eighth inning. Um but I have I have been watching this so and I Andy a lot of stuff has happened that I know you're gonna have thoughts about. So let's start with where you started, which is a strikeout that's not a strikeout. I wrote about this for bleed cubby blue today. I am not the only one. There were literally dozens of people writing pieces about the umpiring in game five of the world series today and look full disclosure it's not that the zone was substantially worse or more erratic than any zone that you have seen if you've watched baseball in 2019 and this is the problem the problem is that the zone game to game game after game series after series is erratic and all over the place and we can all see it and it changes at-bats. It changes the way players handle certain situations. It changes situational hitting. It, ch- it creates offense where there shouldn't be any. It takes away offense where there should be offense. It is frustrating and ridiculous. And the only reason that this broke through in the national media after Sunday's game is because Lance Barksdale had a moment of meltdown <laughs> on a hot bike. And got caught. And so there's this moment where there was a strikeout that should have been a strikeout. And Yan Gomes, the catcher for the Nationals, stands up like to head back to the dugout because it ends the inning. And you can hear Barksdale on the hot mic basically saying, you stood up too soon. And Gomes turns around and says, oh, so this is my fault. And they make them throw another pitch. And you can hear Davey Martinez yelling from the dugout, wake up, it's the World Series. And... It is the most infuriating piece of tape to see this umpire in the sixth inning of a game. But look, the, Nash- the, Na- the Nationals were losing. It was four to nothing Astros, but that's that's still close, right? Like you get to the bullpen, maybe you can get some offense, whatever. Why is this umpire trying to show people up in the sixth inning of the World Series? What is this?
1: Yeah, I did happen to catch that too. I think um, either I turned it fl- flipped it back over to the game right when they were showing a replay of that, um, or I actually saw it live. But I just I saw Davies say, um, I th- I thought there was curse words in there, but something along the lines of "this is the World Series," and to me, it just it's basically um, this is everything that umpires have been this season across the league now under a microscope because everyone in the nation is only watching these baseball games so now everybody can see because i think the issues we were having with umpires throughout the season were happening in different places at different times so it never really like felt like there was a lot of it to anybody but if you look at it if you go back through some of the mlb articles and even if you search the word umpires you would be astonished at how many write-ups and how many different things were done with issues with umpires. Whether it be, you know, them making it about themselves, you know, antagonizing players, bad strike zones, bad calls. I mean, just whatever. It's just, to me, it's so infuriating that this has now become the ump show. I mean, these games are like, being decided based on these guys own egos, you know, I mean, there, it's nothing more than that, that that's what it is. I mean, they're not calling baseball like they should be like, it should be called. And like you said, yes, it is affecting many things. We've, we've discussed this topic in length throughout the season. You know, there's so many different factors that come into play. You know, a batter's approach, he goes down 0-2 on potentially a pitch that should not have been a strike. His whole approach changes, his whole everything changes because that's how baseball players are trained. But they're also trained not to swing at balls. So when umpires start, start calling ball strikes, you know, that really messes with guys and that can really, you know, that can be very harmful. And you're really determining the, the outcome of the game on your own and not by, you know, how it should be called. It's just really it's hard for me to um, to get so upset when it's not the Cubs because it's, you know, but it's easy because it's these umpires that think they are the show or want to make it about them. And there's just no place for that in Major League Baseball. There just isn't. If you wanted it to be about you, then you should have been a baseball player. I mean, that's (laughs) that's the bottom line.
0: Well, two things there that you said that I want to touch on. I, I really cannot emphasize enough how much it changes the approach and changes what happens in a game when the zone starts to get called wonkily right off the bat, right? So if you were watching Game 5, a really good example of this early in the game, um, I think it's the fourth inning, Carlos Correa comes up. He's down 0-2. There's a slider that's thrown that's on the corner, like edge of the strike zone. And that ball had been being called a strike all night, it also decidedly worse balls, like way more off the plate have been called strikes for Garrett Cole up to that point. And so by all accounts, like Correa probably struck out there. (laughs) I mean, I thought it at home, a bunch of people watching thought it. I saw Twitter kind of light up with like, what is this call? Five pitches later, Correa hits a two run home run and a ball game goes from two nothing to four nothing and that is just, I, I can't even imagine being in game five of a Tide series and the World Series and knowing that the difference between four runs and two runs was a call that has been being made one way all night and all of a sudden it's just not made that way. Like, what even is that? That's not good for the game. Players don't know what to swing at to make good contact at that point. They have to protect the plate against absolutely everything. It's no wonder that strikeouts <laughs> are up or that weak contact is getting made when you don't know what a ball and a strike is. And it's it's just so frustrating. But the second thing that you said that I also want to talk about is that the up show has got to go. But this thing with Yan Gomes, where he's like, "Oh well, you stood up too fast." Like, are you kidding me? It is not about you, Barksdale. This is not your show. You are here to be a practically invisible arbiter of balls and strikes. Your only job in this game is to be fair to both sides. How dare you insert yourself because you think a catcher stood up too fast in the World Series?
1: Yeah, I can't even. Well, I love that he was caught, though. I love that that came to light, that that's actually what the conversation was, because I think that far too many people kind of overlook the issues that are have been happening with umpires and just kind of blow it off. But this is just one of those examples that clearly umpires this year have taken on a new life in the game of baseball, a life that they should not have. And it's like, like you said, they should be like furniture, like they're not even there. Like they're just they're you know, a part of the game, not their own identity. Like it's not a baseball team versus a baseball team versus umpires. Like that's not what it is. And you kind of feel like that's what they're trying to make it, you know? And I just, I can't get on board with that at all. It's, it's not fun. It's not enjoyable. It's not entertainment. It's, it it makes people angry. It changes a lot of things for a lot of people. And I feel for Davey Martinez because he was in a spot where, yeah, it definitely changed the tone of the game. When you don't get that strikeout, that's pretty huge. It's pretty huge. That's additional pitches that your pitcher is throwing. Um, You know, that's multiple chances that Carlos Correa gets to hit that home run. Um, It's just so many things. And that's, that's just one example. I mean, I'm sure in the small amount of baseball, World Series baseball that I've watched and I've seen both of those things, I'm sure there's been way more examples of how bad this umpiring has been.
0: Uh, Yeah, there, well, so there have been a lot of them and I've screenshot some of them, not nearly as many as I do during Cubs games. Actually, one of my projects for the off season, I'm literally going to pick a game at random. I'm just going to like random number draw a game and watch it solely for blown balls and strike, strike calls to see how many there are. Um, it, it's not necessarily even gonna be a Cubs game. It's just gonna be like some baseball game that I can watch and see where things are relative to the little pitch tracker. Because I think there are more than we even see. We we are heightened to be aware of them when there's two strikes or when a walk should have happened and it didn't. You know what I mean? Like there are certain situations where you're looking for it. And I think we're not even seeing all of the pitches <laughs> that are called poorly. And then to have umpires like, I don't know, expecting certain behavior from players <laughs> in order to get that precious strike call, whatever, Lance Barksdale, he should never get another postseason assignment. Or he should at bare minimum get like suspended from the postseason for a while and have to work his way back. I just cannot imagine putting that man in the postseason again, knowing, having him on tape, kind of showing up the catcher. Like, that's terrible. That is terrible. Your only job is to be a fair and neutral arbiter of balls and strikes. That is your job. That is what you were hired to do. And we all have you on tape not doing it.
1: Well, and in the same breath that, you know, these players get fined and get in trouble through Players Association, through Major League Baseball, through whatever, there should definitely be some repercussions for how these umpires are acting. I mean, there has got to be some accountability as far as how to act, how not to act. Because just like anything in life, we can generalize all umpires by how a few have been acting and say that they're all bad. They're not all bad. Some of them are way bad. Some of them are, we don't know their names and that's the best thing about being an umpire. We don't know your name, that means you're a good umpire. Right. And right. and so I mean if you think about it, how many umpires do we not know because they're okay because they're good. They do their job the way that they're supposed to do it. It's the ones that we know their name, we know their face because they are horrible or they have inserted themselves into a game where they do not belong. So as far as I'm concerned there needs to be some some sort of, you know, umpire association they need to come out with some sort of punishment or point system or something for these guys that are not doing a good job because there's no reason for us to know these guys by name, honestly. And that does, that's not doing them any favors for a few of them to to do what they're doing.
0: Well, and part of the accountability system is that it should be transparent because, and, and by, by which I mean, like we should see, what happens
1: 100 percent, 100 percent. we should hear about that
0: isn't performing up to snuff like if your air rate is 15 percent or whatever there should be some sort of remediation that you're doing and fans should know what that is like this person's not going to call home plate for six months while they do blah 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 I don't know but there should be things <laughs> and I'm not saying they should get fined and I'm certainly not saying they should get fired and I love that there's a strong union protecting them that's great love unions but There should be a, we all watch this, like we all see it. And if you want fans to have faith in the game of baseball, you have got to stop being opaque about the building blocks of the game. You know, now we have two different crises that are like, the entirety of baseball is built around the actual physical ball. Nobody knows if it's going to be the rocket ball golf ball that like flies a million miles, or if it's going to be the dead end ball. And we can all see the physics of how that shifts from period to period. And the the strike zone, nobody knows if it's going to get called accurately or if it's going to get called in a way that allows players to do what they're supposed to do and do their job. And both of those create legitimacy crises for baseball because baseball then we don't trust what the product that we're being shown. It looks gained or rigged.
1: Yeah, and I think we saw that this year in in ticket sales. I mean, in, in playoffs alone, you know, some teams that usually have huge draws, you know, now are not and not just the playoffs, but across the season. You see a lot lower attendance while a lot of teams will tell you their attendance was up. No, no, your attendance is not up. Your ticket sales are up. Take the turnstiles, take that. I want that number. Nobody ever wants to give us that number, but that's the number that you should actually be worried about. Yeah. Ticket sales, you're going to see the money one way or another, but the people that are actually coming to the park and watching your game, your product is what you should be concerned with the TV ratings, what you should be concerned with. That's where the numbers I think you'll see are lower than they have been. And it's because of all the uncertainties of this game that you know, we've known for so long the ins and outs and how it goes. I mean, it's played one way, but there's so many now, you know, factors that are coming into play on in, in baseball that it, it it's alarming, you know, and, and people don't appreciate that. They don't like that the game being messed with. And and there's just a different feel to it now. And I, I don't love it. I, I really need for people to fix it. <laughs>
0: Well, and so speaking of people and ticket prices, we talked a little bit last time about how national standing room only tickets were like a thousand dollars heading into this series and like props to DC for showing up to support their team for the first time that they've had a world series at nationals park. I just want to say some of the fans who have attended these games were making like taking full advantage of the amount of money that they spent to be there. Um, Shout out to the dude who, uh, Jordan Alvarez's home run uh, in game five, (laughs) hit this dude in left center in the chest. And and this is one of the greatest baseball stops I've ever seen. I'm not even going to call it a catch. It's certainly not a catch. He's got two Bud Lights in either hand. The ball hits him in the chest, but he kind of does this, like, thing where he corrals it so that the ball drops, like, directly beneath him, comes up with the ball, only spills part of his beer, when he like goes to reach for the ball. Doesn't actually spill any of it when he's like taking a baseball.
1: Okay. Two observations about this. This guy, A clearly spent a a ton of money on beer at this game and (laughs) B he has clearly also worked a hacky sack in his day because that's exactly what that looked like when he did that I was like this dude has hacky sacked I love it um the other thing about that is I did see today on Twitter that um Anheuser-Busch or Budweiser was calling for somebody to let them know who he was so they can reward him properly so like that guy is gonna get like years upon years of free Bud Light for for that because that was like the best advertisement they've had probably in a playoff game
0: so the funnier thing about that like I you know we're breaking it down right now it's pretty funny you should definitely check it out um the I I have the thought that guy should be hanging with us in the bleachers at Wrigley like that is a Wrigley move to like totally your two beers and like not spill any of them <laughs> he would not have come
1: up with the ball though if that was at Wrigley there's no that's way that's
0: true that's true. Yeah. There, there definitely would have been a much uh more fierce scramble for that ball.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, he could have no beers in his hand, and he probably still wouldn't have come up with the ball.
0: <laughs> well, he was also helped by the fact that the woman who was right next to him was like hiding from the ball. She was doing yeah. the like power move. <laughs> she kind of and ran so from she was it. not competing at all. Right, like right, there was a guy on the other side with a glove who had no shot. His arms were too short. Um, and then there was a guy behind looking at him like, "Whoa, buddy." <laughs> <laughs> like he had no challenge from the woman next to him.
1: It he was thoroughly, <laughs> it was thoroughly impressive. I was very impressed with that whole move. That was that was well done.
0: Anyway, ball dude with the beer. you should come hang out with us at Wrigley sometime. You would fit right in at Social Media Night. I am just saying, um, <laughs> you can hold my beer. How not to fan at a baseball park? Two women apparently got banned from MLB stadiums indefinitely for flashing Garrett Cole. I mean, so, have you seen him?
1: I'm just no. kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. That was bad. That oh was my really god.
0: bad. <laughs> I'm just Mr. kidding. Andy, Mr. Andy <laughs> <laughs> does listen to the show, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so oh, don't get yourself banned from all MLB parks by flashing people at the World Series. That's not the way to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I was totally uh, kidding, you guys. Totally kidding. Yeah, yeah, sure. Hi, Mr. Andy. Um, <laughs> Oh uh, if anybody decides to flash Garrett Cole in Houston, we will be talking about it next time on cup of cubby blue. And seriously, we want to find out who this guy with the bud lights are. Cause he needs to come hang out with us in the bleachers sometime. Uh, that's all the time that we have for today. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, you can follow me at BCB underscore Sarah. You can follow Andy at BRYZ underscore blue. You can follow both of us at, at cup of cubby blue. And we will be back later this week talking about the finale of the World Series and all things Cups. Bye.